0: Today, we want to start with Boudreaux. Boudreaux had been missing for a couple of days. He'd been missing for a couple of days, and Clotilde suggested to Marie. She said, Marie, you know you got to go down to that sheriff's office and file a missing persons report. She said, all right, let's go. So they show up at the sheriff's department, and there's Mr. Gonzalez, Deputy Gonzalez, standing there across the desk from him. And he said, well, Miss Boudreaux, tell me, what, uh, tell me what Mr. Boudreaux, uh, describe Mr. Boudreaux for me. She said, well, he's 25 years old. He's 6 foot uh, three he's got he's 190 pounds he's got abs he's so handsome and so sexy he's soft-spoken he treats me like a queen Clotilde leans over to Marie and said Marie now you know you're lying Boudreau He's 50 years old he's short and fat 5'2 280 pounds fat like a pig ugly as sin loud and obnoxious and treats you like trash Marie smile and says yeah I know but in just in case they find this one for me I don't care if Boudreau ever comes back come on If they can find one like this, I don't need no boudreaux. (laughs) Today we've titled the teaching, Wise Up. Will you turn the person next to you and say, Wise Up. Come on, you can do better than that. Say, Wise Up. Now, I'm not saying rise up with a lift. I'm saying, Wise Up, okay? So there it is on the screen. Our key scripture is going to be in Ephesians chapter 5, if you'll turn there with me. Chapter 5, we're going to look at the the whole early part of the chapter as well, but our key piece is taken out of verse 15. Through 17. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 through 17, it says, Be very careful, then, how you live. I could stop right there and just preach for a couple hours. Be very careful, then, how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Jesus, I ask you that over the next couple of moments that you would awaken us and where we have been foolish, where we have not been wise, where we have missed the moments and the opportunities of heaven and where, Lord God, we put ourselves in jeopardy of our relationship with you, that you would wake us up and that we would wise up. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. So if you'll go back earlier in the chapter, and I'll just kind of refer to it so that we don't have to read the whole verses. But in verse 1, Paul starts off. Now he's talking to the Ephesians, and they were a pretty sold-out group of Christians. But again, this is him writing to Christians. It's not writing to people who don't love God, don't believe in God. He's writing to Christians. And in verse 1, he actually tells them, be imitators of God. So he's kind of laying the foundation. of what is it to be a Christian? To be a Christian is being be an imitator of God. Come help me again, Josiah. So when he's saying be an imitator... You guys know what it is to imitate. Let me imitate Josiah, whatever he does right now. All right. Oh, yeah, I got that one, baby. No, heck no, that ain't going to happen right here. So, All right, So, and that's what some of us do with our Christianity. The moment God starts doing something like that, we're like, nah, I can't go that far with you. I just want to go this far. And Paul is teaching us in verse 1, he says, be imitators of God. That's really what Christianity is. Christianity is not about being good or bad. Christianity is about you and I looking into the Word of God, seeing who God is, seeing who Jesus was, and trying to be like Jesus, imitating Jesus. Now, all of you know this, and you love this whether if you're a grandparent or if you're a parent of a toddler. You just love that they imitate. You. then they look at it and they try to do it and then you go die 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 he said dad see he loves me more we all tried to enjoy that process of a child learning and becoming imitators of their parents of their grandparents those around them and that's what god is asking of us that's what christianity is so in verse one he says be imitators of god then skipping down to verse three he says not a hint of sexual immorality should be amongst us as believers so then he starts lying out. This is what it is to be a Christian: is to imitate God. This is what is not to be a Christian. That, that can't. Be, don't call yourself a Christian and be involved in all this. He said that's not Christianity. That's not being like God. And then when you skip down to the next couple of verses, in verse five, he says, "And no immorality, impure, no, no immoral and pure, greedy person will inherit the kingdom of God." And he lays it out. He goes, "I need you to understand something." He uses a key word: inherit. See, Christianity is about you and I being adopted by the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I don't know if you grew up in a rich, 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 rich rich family, but imagine had you been adopted into a rich family. How different your life would be. And, And Paul's literally telling them, he says, listen, you've been adopted into the family of God. As a result, you need to act like the family. Come on, somebody. You need to act like the master. You need to act like dad. You need to be like dad. And he goes, and I warn you that, listen, those who are immoral, those who are perverted, those who are wicked, he goes, that's not the family. You're going to lose your inheritance if you live like this. And he lays out for them, listen, don't do that because there's an inheritance in jeopardy, for living outside of what it is to be a Christian, but yet calling yourself a Christian. And if you'll skip down to the next couple of verses, in verse 8, and he, said, and he qualifies, he says, this is what you used to do when you were in darkness, but that's not you anymore. There's no need for you to keep being a pervert. There's no reason for you to keep being a liar and a cheater. There's no reason for you to continue to be be an alcoholic, to keep drinking and all that. There's no reason for all that. That's what you used to do when you were in darkness, but now you're in light. You're in the family of God. Don't put your inheritance in jeopardy by going back to those old ways. And then he quotes a passage that is quoted by the, the prophetic voices of the Old Testament. In verse 14, he says, wake up, oh, you sleeper, wake up. Don't you realize that you're going back into some old, wake up, wake up. Now, I don't know if you've ever been in a stupor before. Some of you uh, live in a stupor, but no, I'm just kidding. But but I don't know if you've ever been in a stupor, but I had an experience with this years ago. Uh, My son was, there was a season in our family's life uh, when my son was um, having seizures. And so, you know, we took him to the... He was a young man, just a little boy, actually. We took him to the kid, Children's Hospital in Dallas, and they hooked him up to all kinds of machines, and he ended up with this crazy, crazy medication. And Our family, we really don't take medication a lot. We, we use health products, and, and we believe in God for miracles, and God really does it. I mean, we're not anti that. We just do our best to let our body heal itself, and then, of course, you know, not to get so addicted to different drugs and medications. But at the same time, all this was going on, I got a real bad sinus infection. I never get those, but I, I was preaching a lot, traveling a lot those days and so Jamie took me to the doctor and they gave me you know some prescription and so forth and so on and and that particular weekend I was preaching in Florida to to a group of snowbirds. Anybody know what snowbirds are? Okay, for you guys that don't know, snowbirds is the term they use for people who are from up north, uh, uh, the northern part of the United States, who when it gets freezing cold where they live, they come down to Florida, come on somebody, and they spend a couple of months in Florida. Come on, wouldn't you like to live that life? And so they had this big Christian retreat center where they'll stay for a few months, and they wanted me to come be one of the guest speakers to all these seniors, and so it was awesome. I flew in that Monday, and and, uh, and man, when I got off the plane, my head was just going, crazy because you know the altitude sinus infection so I popped a couple of my pills and uh, and I got to preach it it was really good I was so proud of myself God was moving it was awesome even seniors were jumping and, hallelujah praise God brother and so it was really good and that night you know I called Jamie afterwards and Jamie to hear her tell the story now is hilarious she goes I knew something was up because you were like so what do we want to do with our life let's just dream together for a little bit right now. And that's just not me. And she's like, and I'm like, well, I'm, and, and you're just so beautiful. And I'm just so grateful that this, that, and the other. And, and so I, I went to bed that night, and I was supposed to be speaking the next morning at 10 a.m. And, uh, and so I set my alarm for like 6.30, and, uh, and, and so that I could wake up in plenty of time to just really seek God. I'd already had my message prepared. And, and so I woke up at five minutes till 10. My alarm had been going off and been going off and been going off for two and a half hours and that's never happened to me. And Jamie's calling, so I answer the phone. And she goes, what are you doing? And I said, I'm really uh, feeling I'm the bed. And she goes, what did you say? I said, I don't know. I'm nothing, what's something wrong with me? And the room's kind of spinning. It's got like this fog. My head's all foggy. She goes, oh, my God, he's had a stroke. He's dying. You know, like, I'm not, I didn't have a stroke. I didn't, I'm telling you right now, I didn't have a stroke. And she goes, well, what? what, are you, what are you, aren't, aren't you supposed to be preaching? i like, yes. And I go to get out of the bed, and I can't make my feet walk. I don't know if you've ever done. And I'm like, oh, oh I made my feet walk. And I go into the bathroom, and I start brushing my teeth. And as I'm brushing my teeth, I notice the bottle for my sinus medicine is not my sinus medicine. It's my son's epilepti, uh, epileptic uh, medicine, his seizure medicine. He's supposed to take one every two days, and I took two. And I don't even have seizures. And so I'm like, oh no, I'm feeling my And she's like, what? I'm mom my She's like, you took his seizure medication. I'm like, yes, yes. I don't know what to do. And she's like, you got to get some caffeine in you because I don't, I don't do anything with caffeine. And so she's like, and so I go to the little mini fridge and they got a Coca Cola. So I and she's like, do jumping jacks. I'm telling you to do jumping down. Hey, make my feet walk. And so, man, I try to get ready. As soon as I grab my stuff, I go running over to the service. And, I mean, they're already finished with worship. It's 1030. They're all looking around like, where's the young preacher guy? And so I come running up, and I say, "Nothing. if I fall down in a middle preaching, it's not the Holy Spirit. <laughs> I said, I accidentally took my son's medication. I took the wrong medication. And snowbirds, seniors, they're all like, hallelujah. I'll pray. We all do that, baby. Don't worry about it, girl. It's all right, son. Hallelujah. That's just part of it. I know what it is from that experience to be awake but not awake. I know what it is to think that I'm doing what I think I'm doing, but I ain't doing what I think I'm doing. And Paul is challenging the church. He's like, wake up. Come out of your stupor. You're missing your moment. The time is now. What are you doing? You're missing what God's trying to do on the planet because you're caught up in foolishness. You're caught up in stupidity, if you will, and as a result, you need to wise up. That's what Paul moves into, and he actually, if we'll start in verse 15, he uses the term careful how you live, careful how you live. The reason why he's using that verbiage is because it's insinuated that there is an end result What I'm doing now has got an end result, and I need to be careful the decisions I'm making. Not only that, but don't you understand, people, that you're going to die and stand before the Lord and give an account of your life. He's like, careful how you live. See, you got to understand, in the first century, the average lifespan was 45 years old. 45 was the average lifespan. Aren't you guys that are over 45 so grateful we live in the 21st century? Come on, somebody. Tell you, thank you, Jesus, because i like y'all would have lost me a few years ago. And he's telling them, listen, you don't have a whole lot of time and you can't be messing around with old sin. You're, you're putting your inheritance in jeopardy. You're, you're wasting moments that God has for you. And he's trying to wake them up. And this is the church. This is a good church. these is a good people. He's not saying this to pagans or wicked people. And I believe that the same message fits us today. We need to wake up, be very careful how we live. I have a question for you. What if you knew that in 72 hours you would be standing before Jesus Christ? What would you do differently? In fact, I'd like you to help me by pulling out your smartphone. Right now, pull it out. Come on, get it out in your hand. You're already taking pictures of me and making fun of me on Instagram. So go ahead and pull out your smartphone. Let's do a little quick survey here at the church. Quick survey. We'll put it up on the screens. I want you to text the number 469-606-2684. 469 606 2684, and I want you to answer this question. If you knew, or let's say it like this. If I knew I had three days before coming, become, coming face-to-face with God, I would, one, make some serious changes. Two, I wouldn't do anything different. I'm ready. Let's do this. Or three, I tell you what I would do. I'd go tell a lot of other people they need to make some serious changes. Not me, but they need to. I need, that's what I would tell them. So take that number, 469, and then text either 1- Two or three? Text the number one, the number two, or the number three. Based on which one uh, appeals to you, which one you say, this is true for me, I would make some serious changes if I knew I was going to stand in front of Jesus in the next three days. Or I wouldn't do anything different. I'm ready. Let's do this. I mean, he and I are best friends, and you know, I, I think I'm right in the pocket with him. Or number three, I tell you, I would go around telling a lot of other people some changes they needed to make. This is what would apply to me the bo- most. All right, so now let's pull up our little survey. Let's put it on, We can see, see where we at. Whoa, 58% of you said, I'll make some serious changes. I knew in three days right now. I was like, oh, my Jesus. Some of you are like, nah, I'm good. 23% of you are good. 17% of you are like, yeah, my husband need to get right. I'd be telling him right now. Three days, you dead forever burning in hell. You better change. <laughs> You've been telling him that already. It hadn't worked, so maybe a different tactic might be better. So uh, 61% of us, so over 61% of us, uh, excuse me, over 60% of us would make some serious changes. What would you do different? In the next three days, what would you do different? Would you go confront somebody and say, listen, I have hated you, and what you did was wrong five years ago, but it literally—it it really has held me back in life, because I think about what you did, and I apply it to what everybody else is trying to do in my life, and I just keep. I, I need. I need to get free of that, and I want to forgive you, and I want to ask you for to forgive me for hating you. Would you Would you go, and would you make some changes, and uh, to the way you interacted with other people? Would you uh, Would you worry so much about how much money you're making at the end of the month? Would you be so consumed with those cars, or would you Would you really allow the pornography to still control your mind and your actions? Would you really, 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 really care so much about whether or not your kid got an A or a B on an exam? Would you, what would be the focus over the next three days? What would you really change? What would it look like? And friend, my question to you is, now is the time. Because no man's promised tomorrow. The word of God says we all have an appointment with death and then the judgment. And that's what Paul's reminding them of. Even if you don't die tomorrow, why would you miss your moment now? How foolish, how horrible for you and I to stand in line at the pearly gates. And when he gets up to our time, Jesus goes, oh, it's Adam. Oh, oh, bro, bro. Oh, my goodness. Man, you could, oh, I had this for you. You missed that. You were so caught up trying to have the biggest church in the area that you missed this miracle that I had planned. And this whole family that really needed the the love of God. And you were so busy flying around touching everybody. Oh, Adam, oh, oh, I love you so much, son. Yeah, you get to come in, but oh, if you could have seen what it could have been. But you missed your moments because you were so dumb. You were chasing after the wrong things. You were so caught up in your sports. You were so caught up in building your houses. You were so caught up in these other things that you missed what I had for you. I don't want to be that. Do you say no? Thank you. I'm glad to be at the right church with the right people. And then he moves into the next verse, in verse uh, 16. He says, and making the most of every opportunity. He keeps pushing that whole thing. Make the most of the opportunity. What would I do differently today? How would I treat the lady at the, at, at the uh, grocery store today if I knew tomorrow or three days from now I was going to be face-to-face with God? How, what would I be posting on social media tonight if I knew in three days I would be standing before the Lord giving an account of my life, and I knew that I was going to have the privilege of walking into heaven with him and, and, and the opportunities that maybe I'd missed in the past that I could make up for in the next three days, what would I do differently? And then he moves into, and he uses the word, don't, verse 17, therefore do not be foolish. Everybody say foolish. foolish. Now, doesn't that sound funny? You don't ever go around, that's so foolish. You don't tell your kid, hey, you need to stop being foolish. You don't ever use that word. We use words like stupid. Now, we shouldn't say that because that's not good for our kids to learn that word, right? And so I'm raising our kids. We told them, we don't ever say stupid. Yes, sir, Daddy. I'll never forget, they came back from public school the first couple of times in, in first grade. And Natalie said, Dad, I heard some crazy words today. I said, you did? She said, yes. A couple of kids were saying the S word. I was like, oh, my God. And I, was, I said, what S word? She goes, no, we're not supposed to say it. I said, what S word? She goes, stupid. I say, okay, that's an OKS word for right now. We get past the other ones. Just careful in the church parking lot, baby. Girl, just stay close to me. But you and I, we wouldn't want to use the word stupid. We might use the word dumb. Paul's basically saying, don't be foolish. Don't be dumb. Turn to the person next to you and say, don't be dumb. Come on, you've been waiting all week to get to say that, and the pastor let you do it. Come on, tell them again, say, don't be dumb. And, and, and Paul moves into this, hey, don't be foolish, don't be dumb. Can I just give you some pieces on that? It's dumb. It's dumb to keep going to the clubs trying to find your wife. It's dumb. Can I just say that? Hey, it's dumb to let hate dominate your life and keep you bogged down when you could be free from that and move on with you. It's just dumb. You know something else? And that's what Paul's talking about. It's dumb to keep shacking up. Come on, bro, marry her. She's the one. Stop messing around and living there. Marry her. Do right, be right before God. Don't keep living like this. It's dumb. Don't do that. How about this other? It's dumb to keep being a klepto. You keep stealing everything. You don't even need it. You did not need that roll of toilet paper out of our bathroom. If you're that poor, come to us. We'll help get you some toilet paper. You're like, I got some in the purse, baby. I got you. Don't worry about it. We good for tonight. Yeah, klepto, stop it! It's dumb. It's dumb. Yes, you're going to heaven, but stop being dumb. That's what he's saying. Hey, it's dumb to lie just to impress others. That's why nobody trusts you. You're like I don't know, why I got any friends because you never tell the truth. You're so hard to deal with. You never say you're sorry. It's just dumb. And as a result of you being dumb, it's causing all these conflicts. And that was Paul's warning. But listen, it's dumb to sit around messing around with alcohol. Guys, I'm just telling you, it's just a matter of time before you're drunk, and we know sin's drunk the drunkenness is sin. It's just it's just dumb. Eventually, it's gonna get you like my friend down the road that I oversee his church, that his worship pastor, because he's a different type of church, his worship chat. We just had to go bail him out for a DUI and had to fire him. It started real simple with a couple drinks, it's just dumb. It's just, he's saying, stop being foolish. Wise up. I expect a baby to act like a baby, and I expect a toddler to act like a toddler. But come on, guys, we've been saying, some of us, 5, 10, 15, 20, 30, wise up. Make the most of the opportunities that are here. The days are evil. The time is short. It's time to wise up and act like the men and women of God we were created to be. It's dumb to sit around arguing doctrine while people are dying and going to hell. You're so busy picking apart, script, picking apart scriptures and all the different things, and people sitting right there next to you in the cubicle, the person on the other side of you on the other street, dying and going to hell, and you've never reached out to them one time, but you're good at arguing scripture. What good is that? It's dumb. It's dumb. And that's what the Holy Scriptures are telling us here. And Paul tells it. it's time to wise up. So with that being said, I want to give you, How you and I can wise up. I want to give you the two great pillars of wisdom. As I see it in scripture, there are two great pillars of wisdom. In other words, wisdom is built, ba-boom, there's these two big great pillars. Now the Bible talks about seven pillars of wisdom, but there are two great overarching pillars that foundationally, if you will grab a hold of these two pillars, I promise you, you'll have more wisdom than you know what to do with. First and foremost, write it down, First, first great pillar of wisdom is to love God and love people. That's the great. Say, man, I don't know how to be a Christian. Love God, love people, bro. That's the smartest thing you could ever do. Like I can't stop saying, just love God, love people. The rest of it take care of itself. They come to Jesus in the Book of Matthew, chapter twenty-two, and they're trying to kind of see how much He knows the Word of God. And so the teachers of the law they come to Him and they ask Him a question. They say, Jesus, out of all the teachings of Moses, all the commandments, which is the greatest? Which is the greatest? Now you understand, there's more than just ten commandments in the law of Moses. There are all these commands on how we're to live and how we're supposed to be righteous. There are hundreds of them. And Jesus responds. He doesn't even hesitate. He doesn't even catch a breath. He doesn't pause. He doesn't write in the dirt. He just immediately responds, love God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. And they all go, hmm, huh, hmm. Huh. And then he continues on. And the second commandment that is just as great as that is to love your neighbor as much as you love yourself. And he's saying this to acting people who love to argue doctrine and tell control church people on how they should be acting. What he does is he sets the precedence. If you love God, you won't love sin. If you love God with all your heart, all your soul and all your strength, you won't, sin won't have as much power over you. See, you and I, we all sin. We all fall short, but all sin is is loving something more than you love God. That's all it is. That's all it is. We all make mistakes. We all do stupid stuff. We're all like, ah. But the fact that we go, ah, is proof that we love God. Okay? And as believers who love Jesus, we all sin. We all fall fall short of the glory of God. But if you want sin not to have precedence in your life, just love God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and all your strength. This is wisdom. This is wisdom. Don't wake up every day and try not to sin. Wake up every day and fall more in love with Jesus. Because what happens is you fall more in love with Jesus, you won't care about that other stuff. I can tell you what you love. I can have a five-minute conversation with you and tell you what's the center of your love. All I have to do is begin to talk to you and ask you some questions. And before you know it, something will shift. When I hit the thing that you love more than anything else in your life, it's amazing to watch your face. It's amazing. Oh, it's hilarious to watch. Yeah, yeah, pastor, I love the Lord. I love the Lord. Uh Uh-huh. What do you think is going to happen this year with the Cowboys? Win the Cowboys! all we got for the picks. We got the best trades ever. It's time. We're going to have a winning season. Woo! Go Cowboys! I mean, it is amazing how quickly you change when we talk about the thing you love. Oh, do you love Jesus? G- oh, I love the Lord, brother. I love the Lord. Hallelujah. I love the boys. You don't look like look like you hate it. Like, I love the Lord. I'm trying to be a Christian. It's so hard. Oh, my God. I mean, seriously, you, but, oh, but when it comes to loving them cowboys, look you got cowboy underwear, you got cowboy shower curtain, you got cowboy toilet paper, you got all the cowboy paraphernalia, you got $200,000 worth of cowboy gear around your house. You got whole rooms painted silver and blue. I mean, you got stars all over the place, you got logo work on the back of your truck. Come on, I saw your tailgate. You got that whole thing going, and you don't, I know what you love, because when you love something, you can't help but talk about it. You can't help but spend your money on it. Watch yourself. And so that's why Jesus qualified the greatest point of wisdom. Love God. Just love God. Love him with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength. See, when you begin to put God as the center of your love, all those other things can't be in the center anymore. They automatically just fall aside. He said, I'm struggling with porn. Love God. I'm, str- I Man, I'm just struggling going to the clubs. and I- Love God. With all your heart, all your soul, all your strength. Focus on that. Wake up every morning. Lord, how do I love you today? I want to love you better, Jesus. Woo. And what happens is those other lovers just fall aside. They don't matter. Think about this for a second. Your wife, bro, there was a moment. You had some other girlfriends back in the day, but when she walked in the room, you were like, Oh, isn't she lovely? Isn't she You were like, Oh, I love you. You, it. you didn't care about those other women anymore. Right? Come on, fellas. This is you. Woo, you. Boy. (laughs) Ladies, I'm sorry they're stupid. I'm trying to help you. I'm trying to wise them up a little bit. My God. Fellas, y'all miss a good place right now. That's right. Ain't nobody as fine as my wife. She's the only one I love. That's what happens when you fall completely in love with Jesus and you keep cultivating that love. So I don't feel. Listen, Jamie and I have been married 25 years. I guarantee you there's some morning she didn't feel the love. She's like, oh, my God. But she kept cultivating the love. Their mom was I waking and I'm like, man, I don't know if I want to be a Christian today. I really want to hurt somebody. Right? But I cultivate the love. The Lord, nevertheless, not my will be done, but thy will be done. Help me to love you and you alone. Help me see you in the midst of this situation with these people I do not like. Oh, God, help me trust you. Help me love you. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul. And then... Love your neighbor as much as you love yourself. If you'll love God and love people, I promise you, you'll be the wisest person in your entire family. I'm telling you, wisdom, you will not miss moments. Because why? If you're loving God and loving people, God will give you miracles. He'll say, prophesy that person right there. And you say, I love God so much, I don't care if I look stupid. And I love them so much, I don't want them to have a difficult moment that they, that, that they didn't get the word of the Lord. So I'm going to be obedient right now. See, when you love God and you love people, that's such great wisdom. Miracles start happening. And you're like, whoa, I love this life called Christianity. Why? Because you're loving God. And loving people. That's your first foundational pillar of wisdom. Here's a second big foundational p- p- pillar of wisdom. And we find that in the book of Proverbs, chapter 9, verse 10, and that is to fear God. Fear God. And look at Proverbs 9:10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning. So for you and I to even have wisdom start in our life, we need to come back to the place where we fear the Lord. Now, unfortunately, people misappropriate this word, fear. And in our English language, when we use the word fear, imagery comes up in our mind. To fear the Lord would be like fearing that stepdad that beat on you. Scared to even go home. Wondering if he's in a drunken stupor and he's gonna beat on you again. That's not that's not the context. That's not the thought process of this. Fear of the Lord has a better the better context is more the word respect, esteem is valuable, understand the power they're in. For example, there is electricity running through this building like crazy. Lots of electricity. If you go out to the front and you crack open the ground where the electricity's coming through and you start hacking it with an axe, I'm going to be excited but sad to do your funeral. Because all of that electricity flowing through your little body is going to fry everything about you. Right? But yet we use electricity here and we value it, but we respect it. We're not playing games with it, right? I respect the Lord. I fear the Lord. But I recognize that at a moment, he could fry every one of our brains and say, I'm done with you. I'm so grateful for his grace because I know that he's the grace giver. I'm not the grace giver. That in any moment he can say, I'm done with you, dude. I don't, I'll make another Adam McCain. I don't need you. I'll reinvent the timeline where you don't even exist and make another timeline. I'm God. So recognizing who he is, the power that he yields, is what this verbiage is talking about. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And we have a generation of Christians who do not fear the Lord. They do not treat him with respect. You find it in our worship songs where we treat him like he owes us something. He's not our Lord. He's our sugar daddy concepts. And let me tell you something. That's where foolishness is set in. And that's why we're doing dumb things. For if you would understand that the covenant relationship you have with the living God is real, you would never, ever go cheat on your wife with another woman. You would never do it. Because you fear the Lord. You respect his holiness. You understand it's by grace I'm saved. Oh, my God, I can't believe he let me be a Christian. I can't believe I've been adopted. Oh, you obviously have never been poor. Because, oh, my God, to be in this rich family, to have all of my needs forever met, to spend eternity in heaven and not in hell. What kind of love is that I've never been loved? To have that kind of fear of the Lord, that kind of respect, that kind of honor. It's what seems to be missing and Paul is correcting these Ephesians, these people in Ephesus, this church in Ephesus. You have lost this whole thing. That's why you're being foolish. And it's time to wise up. The first step in wisdom It's for you and I to love God and love people. The second big pillar of wisdom is to fear the Lord. Now, I want to show you this passage in the book of Acts chapter 19. So the early church is having this moment where there's a lot of disrespect for what God's doing and the miracles that are happening. In Acts chapter 19, there's a storyline, which is one of my favorite storylines, about the seven sons of Sceva. The seven sons of Sceva, and it's just so wonderful. I'm just going to read the whole passage to you. In verse 13 of Acts chapter 19, it says, Some Jews who went around driving out evil spirits tried to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who were demon-possessed. They would say, In the name of Jesus, who Paul preaches, I command you to come out. Verse 14, Seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish chief priest, were doing this. One day, verse 15, the evil spirit answered them, Jesus I know, and I know about Paul, but who are you? In verse 16, then the man who had had the evil spirit jumped on them, overpowered them all. He gave them such a beating that they ran out of the house naked and bleeding. So let me explain this to you. So you got these dudes who grew up around the church, but they don't know Jesus. They've been in dead religion. They've been in uh, Judaism. Their dad is somebody big. He's a priest, so they're PKs, priest kids. And so they got this little side business, making some extra money, going around doing exorcism on people. And so, you know, your kid's got some issue, your grandma's got some issue, your wife's got, you got some issue. And they come in and throw the holy water on you and whatever. Well, they started watching Paul because Paul's having this ministry just exploding. And so they probably went to a couple of his meetings where people manifest demons. And they saw him go, in the name of Jesus, come out. And demons leaving people, and people are set back in their right mind. So they're like, oh, that!" and they're taking notes. That's a good thing. We'll, we'll talk about this guy, Jesus. They've never met Jesus. They don't have any relationship with Jesus. They haven't made Jesus the Lord of their life. They've not, they've not uh, come in, in belief of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So they don't have the power of the Holy Spirit flowing in them. But they're trying to take notes because they got them a little side business going. So they go up in this house where there's this guy who's full of demons. And they say, in the name of this guy named Jesus, who that dude Paul preaches... Let this guy go. Obviously, they're having a struggle, and all their holy water and all their other stuff isn't working. So they try, they, they try to go to Paul's way of doing it. And they say, in the name of that guy, Jesus, who Paul preaches, come out. And the demon in the dude stops. <clears throat> Hold up. I know Jesus. You don't, but I know him. And I've heard about Paul. But who are you? And this dude comes Unglued and kicks their dairy air. He whoops them. Seven dudes, one dude with a demon, and seven dudes get their backside handed to them. I mean, how bad of a fight is it that you leave the house and you're naked? I mean that. I mean, you didn't get popped in the eye a couple of times. You ain't got a bloody nut. You ain't even got your clothes. Ah! I mean, man, he has whooped them. He has beat the fool out of them. Why did this happen? Because they had no respect for the name of Jesus. They never surrendered themselves to the King of Kings and the Lord. of the Lord. They had no power of the Holy Spirit flowing through them. They had no fear of the Lord. And because they didn't have a fear of the Lord, they got their backside handed to them. Some of you are mad at God because you've had your backside handed to you, but you have no honor and no respect for who he is. Because if you did, then you will obey his teachings. That, and that's what Paul's warning us. He's like, wise up. Wise up. What's wrong with you? You're being dumb. Stop living like this. Don't you understand? There's an inheritance for you. Stop going back to your old ways. Be the children of life. That's who you used to be. Don't live like that anymore. It's dumb. Don't be that. You're God's son. You're God's daughter. Wise up and make the most of the opportunities that God's bringing in front of you. If we'll keep reading, something supernatural happened. After these guys get their butts kicked, in verse 17, it says, And when this became known to the Jews and the Greeks living in Ephesus, they were all seized with, would you say it out loud for me? They were all seized with? Fear. Say it a little louder. Fear. Fear. They were all, the whole, all of Cedar Hill's like, oh, my God. Oh, we're at that church on the hill. Did you hear what happened? What there's that one dude who went and visited their church, and then he was downtown, you know, over off, you know, off off, you know, Sinbad Street or something at that dude's house, and you hear what? It's all look 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 at the, look at the text message Oh my god, look at the Instagram post. He they getting their butt kicked. Ah, ah, ah. Look at that's hilarious. And it's, it hit them. Fear hit them all. Like oh no. Keep reading. It says And fear seized they were all seized with fear, and the name of the Lord Jesus was what held in high honor. Guess what they got? A holy dose of respect came upon them. Let me tell you something. I've changed out a couple electrical circuits in my house. I have a holy respect for electricity. I'm telling you. Thank you, God, I'm alive. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Jamie, call an electrician. I, I am not supposed to be doing this. This is not a DIY one. I have a healthy respect for that electricity. Come on, somebody shout amen. You know what I'm talking about. I have a holy respect. These, everyone in that city went, he's Jesus. He's God. He's God. And look what happens. Verse 18. Many of those who believe now came. Who came? Who came? Those who had believed. So in other words, believers had not had the right respect. And after this situation, many who believed came, and look what it, did, what it says they did, and confessed openly their evil deeds. I right, said, so listen, um, um, Pastor, I just want to say this. Uh, I didn't really realize that this Jesus is God and about all this power stuff. And before um, I um, get caught, I just want to say uh, I'm an adulterer. I, just, I, want, I, I want to repent right now. Because I don't want to get fried by the Holy Ghost. And I don't want demons to kick my butt. So um, I'm so sorry. I don't want to be like this. They begin to confess their evil deeds. Verse 19. And a number who had practiced sorcery, who had practiced sorcery, brought their scrolls together. They burned all their Van Halen albums. They burned. Sorry. Messing with you now. I got to meddling now. (laughs) their scrolls and burned them publicly when they calculated the value of the scrolls the total came to 50,000 drachma that is a whole lot of drachmas it ain't worth our time to add it up verse 20 in this way the word of the Lord spread widely and grew in power because they got a butt whipping on what it was to fear the Lord they responded properly with respect and then the supernatural started happening and I say it like this it's on the screen, you can write this down the love of God plus the fear of God equals the supernatural experiences with God so I'm not really feeling God I'm not really experiencing God love God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength love your neighbor as much as you love yourself fear the Lord and you will see supernatural experiences in your life I'm telling you Stop being cocky just because you grew up in church your whole life. You think that you're getting away with something, you're not getting away with anything. Just because he has grace on you right now does not mean that what a man does, sows, that will he not also reap. God knows, God sees, your disrespect is going to get you butt kicked. And Paul's warning them about that. He's saying, listen, don't be foolish, don't be dumb. Don't play games right now. I don't know about you, but when I stand there on that day, my belief for every person in this church is when you stand there on that day, you're standing there and you can't wait, your turn comes up and line like, Jesus, ah, look what I brought. Man, listen, I'm telling you, man, I love you so much, I can't believe you let me be a Christian. And so I did, every time there an opportunity came, Jesus, I took advantage of, that's Bill right here. Remember him? He was the one to the porn addiction. Well, you know that because you Jesus. Anyway, and he got saved, and look at this one right here. Man, I've been mentoring this dude right there for like weeks and months and that kind of stuff, so I'm glad he made it because I, I really didn't think you were going to make it, Bill. I'm going to tell you that right but he's here and uh, and and listen making the most of every opportunity stop being foolish and let us be wise knowing that the end is near knowing that we have one moment at it one opportunity here and there let's not be caught up in all the dumb stuff of this world listen i'm not talking about heaven and hell i'm talking about missing our moments i'm talking about being dumb I'm talking about this is your moment to change the world. This is the moment to let God change you and get out of all the dumb stuff. that That's not who you were made to be. You used to be in darkness. Don't go back to dumb stuff like that. Don't, don't put your inheritance in jeopardy. You're God's son. You're God's daughter. It's time to wise up. Stand with me all across the room. You guys have been awesome today. And I pray that the word of the Lord came to you boldly and correctly so that you can receive like you need to. I want you to bow your heads with me across the room. I get you to do that so you can concentrate. Not so we can send the little elves around to steal from your purses and stuff. But I want you to have this moment where you can really concentrate on Jesus. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Now, this morning, with your head bowed and your eye closed... Have you been dumb in an area? Have you not been so wise? Have you let the moment pass because you were so caught up in something that wasn't smart? Listen, the word of the Lord to you is not that he's mad at you, but just the opposite. He loves you. And we've all been dumb. We've all been foolish. And I love that the Apostle Paul was calling them to a place of wisdom to wise up with your head bowed and your eye closed. you and God have a little moment together where have you been foolish what's been dumb what have you been flirting with in sin and just repent right where you stand and say Lord I need your help I don't want to be dumb anymore I don't want to be foolish anymore You say, well, Pastor, I'm really struggling with this particular area. Well, won't you ask the Lord, say, Lord, would you help me to love you more than I love this area? Would you help me, Lord? Would you help me? Lord, I love you, but I also love these other things, and I just, I don't want to love them anymore. Would you help me fall deeper in love with you? Would you make that a prayer right there where you stand? Be honest with yourself, with the Lord. Maybe you say, Pastor, i got to be honest, man. I am just, ah, When you talked about the fear of the Lord... I realize I'm treating Jesus like he's a kid. I I, I don't treat him for who he is, the king of glory, the Lord of lords. I disrespect the fact that he's had grace on me. I've treated it as common, like an old pair of shoes. I've been going to church so long. I I lost the respect. Friend, right where you stand, I would ask the Lord, forgive me. Forgive me for disrespecting you. Forgive me for losing the respect that you you deserve. Or as the Bible calls it, the fear of the Lord. Jesus, I thank you so much for this amazing church. The church is not this building, it's not this meeting, it's the men and women that I get to do life with. God, I bless you. I bless your holy name for allowing us to be a family, a community unit, Lord God, for your kingdom business. And God, I ask you here and now that you would deliver us from us. And that Lord, where we've been foolish and where we've been dumb, that you would forgive us and have mercy on us. God, I ask you right now in Jesus' name that there would be a holy dose, a holy dose of the fear of the Lord because where that happens, we see great revival happening. And so, Lord, I pray that there would be a great influx in our hearts and our minds of the fear of the Lord, the respect, the acknowledgement of your power, your supremeness. Father, I ask you right now to forgive us for disrespecting you. Forgive me, O oh God. For treating you as common and, and it's just normal. Now, with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're in this place today, and you got to be honest with yourself and say, Pastor, I'm not a Christian, man. You know, I used to be. Life happened. I'm pretty sure that if in three days from now I was standing before Jesus Christ, three days from now that was to happen, that it wouldn't be a pretty sight. I, I'm pretty sure that I would be be really 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 horrified not surprised but horrified that I let it go this far before I made a change for now, I've been in that place that is thin ice the Bible says now is the day of salvation The Bible says literally don't push the Lord away when he knocks on the door of your heart I've been there too I've been mad I've been mad at God because of things that happened that I didn't think were fair I've been frustrated because the church people, they didn't act like Christian people. I've had all those experiences, but friend, that has nothing to do with you and Jesus. In fact, when you stand there and you're making all the excuses, this person, that last pastor did this and that other one did that, he's, Jesus going to look at you and say, what does that have to do with you and me? Today's the day. Now is the time. If you're away from God, this is your moment. You say, well, all right, I'm ready. I don't want to live like this anymore. I want Jesus in my life. What do I do, pastor? The Bible says it like this confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that he is the Christ the son of the living God and that he will forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness you're just a prayer away a prayer that you mean from your heart an acknowledgement that you're a sinner and you need a savior a declaring that you're his that's all it is it's that simple all the hard work was already done 2,000 years ago see 2,000 years ago when Jesus died on a cross he paid for every sin you'll ever commit and have ever already committed. There was an account put together with your name on it. And that account is full of grace and mercy to forgive you. And the only way to access that account or access that account is to call upon the Lord and ask Him to be the Lord of your life and repent of your sins. So today, with every head bowed and every eye closed, you've never been a Christian but you want to become one I'd like to pray with you you used to serve the Lord but life happened and you walked away and you want to come back to Jesus I want to pray with you no one's looking I'm not going to call you forward I don't want to I don't want to point you out I'm not trying to let everybody say yay no 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 this is you and God it's deep it's real and it's serious and today if you want Jesus to be the Lord of your life you want to repent of your sins I want to lead you in that prayer of repentance I want to connect you and Jesus together through prayer and a time of giving ourselves to him but you've got to have the courage to acknowledge that. It's time that you own the fact that you've been away from God. It's time that you own the fact that if you died, you wouldn't go to heaven. Three days from now, if that were to happen, that scenario were to come true, it's time to change the course of what might would have happened. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if that's you, pastor, that's me. Pray for me. I'd like to do that now. Would you just lift your hand and acknowledge that to me? Pastor, that's me. It's time. I'm ready, sir. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Thank you, son. Anybody else? Pray. Yes, sir. Thank you. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you. Thank you. I see your hand. A couple more seconds. Yes, sir. Thanks for your honesty. Some real people going through some real things, needing a real Savior here today. Thank you. Anyone else? Just a couple of seconds. Don't, don't, don't push it away. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Don't push this moment away. This is God dealing with you. I, I'm not smart enough or intelligent enough to tug at your heart. Only God can do that. He can use a dummy like me, but that's him. Don't push it away. Anybody else? Just, just a couple more seconds. Yes, sir. Thank you. Yes, Yes, ma'am. Thank you. I would leave this place messing around like that. Don't be foolish. Be wise here. Make your commitment to Christ and make it real. Amen. You can put your hands down. I'm going to lead you in that prayer. That prayer of repentance. There's nothing magical about the words. What's supernatural is you said, I need God. God got you here. You're here. You didn't come to church not knowing God was going to be here. You knew exactly what you were stepping into. And there's been this thing in your heart that said, I really want God. And all the fear of failure and not doing good. All that's going to just be blown away as you fall in love with Christ today. I'm a legion of prayer. In fact, I'd like everyone in the audience to say this out loud. Those who lifted their hand, mean it with all of your heart, and let this be sincere. Say it like this: Say, Jesus, today, I admit I'm a sinner. I acknowledge I've lived my own way, but today I surrender my wants, my desires, and I declare Jesus is my Lord. I receive your grace. I receive your forgiveness. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross for my sin. I now belong to you. Fill me with your love. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Write my name in your book of life. I promise to serve you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name. Keep your head bowed for just a moment. Father, I pray for every man and woman who lifted their hand. Lord, who said that prayer with all sincerity. Lord God, who felt you tugging at their heart. Lord God, that sense that you're real and they want that, Lord God. And 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 they were and, and they were acknowledging, man, I've been dumb. I've been living outside of God. I've, I've not had Jesus in my life. And Lord, as they acknowledge that, Lord God, did you not come here and now and forgive them? Yes, you did. Did you not fill them with your Holy Spirit? Yes, you did. Lord, is not their life trajectory now on a different route? Yes, it is. And God, when the lies come, oh, you didn't mean it ah, you still going to do, do all that junk you always been doing. Lord, when those lies come, may they have such a love in their heart to say, wait a minute, no, I may not be perfect and I may make mistakes, but I now belong to Jesus Christ. I'm his son, I'm his daughter and though I fall 700 times yet will I arise and Jesus will show me how to love him and show me how to live right and it's a process and I'm going to embrace the process. Lord, may this be the truth, that every man and woman in this church walks therein. And Father, may your strength come to them now and may they walk Walk uprightly all their days in Jesus' name, and everybody shouted, "Amen!" and "Amen."